following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Father, we're so grateful for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us together today. We thank you for the freedom that we enjoy uh, to be able to gather in your name and to worship you this morning. We pray for all those that are gathered around the world uh, today to celebrate your resurrection. We pray, Lord, for protection from the enemy, uh, for our brothers and sisters abroad that uh, have been attacked in the last few weeks as they celebrate um, your ministry on earth. I pray this morning that you would protect them as they worship. Um, Father, we give you this a time. We pray that your spirit would use it for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, over the last few weeks, we've been studying together um, Isaiah 52 and 53 as we're preparing for today, um, as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the grave. Uh, I'm very thankful for this study that we've been able to have to know that God's plan was in place long before the world began um, in sending the Lord Jesus as to be the sacrificial lamb to be the Passover lamb that we sung about that he is worthy of our praise and well at the uh, sunrise-ish service or the sun rose service that we had earlier this morning. We read the account of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the Gospel of Luke and got a disciple's eye view of those events. Um, Luke wrote down the accounts given by eyewitnesses. Um, but now we're going to turn our attention to Isaiah 52 and 53 uh, and get the Lord's perspective, God's perspective, when it comes to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So let's turn to Isaiah 52. We start at verse 13. That's page 613 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. Uh, and it will also be up on the screen. Um, so we're going to focus on verses 10 through 12 of chapter 53, but we're going to read the whole passage uh, for context. So hear the word of the Lord, written over 700 years before the events that it describes happened. Isaiah 52 and 13. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up, and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, 
He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide his spoil with his strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. May God bless his word this morning. Now, over the last few weeks, we've studied the, these five stanzas of Isaiah's prophecy of Messiah, um, how his life, death, resurrection, and ascension were all predicted hundreds of years before they, before they happened. In the first stanza, back in chapter 52, verses 13 through 15, it's kind of a summary statement of the entire purpose of the work of Jesus Christ, that many nations, ours included, would be sprinkled with his blood for the cleansing of our sin. The second stanza in chapter 53, verses 1 through 3, dealt with the humility and obscurity of Jesus' upbringing, that people would not be drawn to him because of his charm and good looks or flashy presentation. He wasn't at all the kind of Messiah that people were looking for. The third stanza verses 4 through 6 showed that the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, would suffer not for his own sins, but for the sins of mankind, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, so that we, like lost sheep, would be gathered together and brought into one sheepfold. 
And the fourth stanza, verses 7 through 9, got eerily specific about the trial of Jesus and how he did not speak up to defend himself. And that was because he wasn't on trial for himself. He was on trial for us. And we are without defense. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans chapter 3. But now we turn our attention to the fifth and final stanza, and that's chapter 53, verse 10 through 12. And we get the Father's, we get God the Father's perspective on the ministry of Christ. So let's look at that, chapter 53 of verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide a spoil with his strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Now, as you think about the crucifixion of Christ, from a strictly human perspective, it's very easy, I think, to blame the crucifixion of Christ on the Romans. After all, it's the Romans who beat him, they spit in his face, they beat him with rods, hit him with sticks, lashed him with a scourge, nailed him to the cross and drove a spear into his side. That's the Romans. But the Romans weren't the only ones involved, were they? The Roman authority, Pilate, tried to set Jesus free because he found no guilt in him worthy of death. It was the Jews that wanted Jesus to be crucified. They wanted him dead, but they didn't have authority to kill anyone. So they rioted until Pilate gave in and had Jesus crucified. But that's a human perspective. Now, if you want to get more spiritual, which I'll be doing because it's pretty sad if you don't, the blame gets shifted from just the Romans or just the Jews to mankind in general. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. As he said back in verse 5 of chapter 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And like the song says, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. So is it true that the Romans crucified Jesus? Yes. Is it true 
that uh, the Romans crucified Jesus because the Jews demanded it? Yes. Is it true that Jesus was crucified because of the sin of mankind? Yes. But how often do we wonder that though the Romans were guilty, that the Jews were guilty, that mankind is guilty, how often do we wonder whether or not the crucifixion of Christ was God's idea? Verse 10 says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Revelation 13, 8 calls Jesus the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Do you know what that means? That means that the Lord Jesus was slain in God's mind before man had a chance to sin. We well, hadn't got around to it yet. It was already the plan. The crucifixion of Christ was an event fixed before time began. It was God the Father's plan all along. But as we see in the rest of verse 10, that the crucifixion was not the end for Jesus. Praise the Lord. It says, When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. His soul made the offering for guilt on the cross. Not his own guilt. He was innocent, as we read back in verse 10. His soul made an offering for our guilt. For the guilt of mankind for all time was he crucified but even though he really did die on the cross like John mentioned earlier he will see his offspring his days will be prolonged and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand well now is that even possible how can a childless man who is killed in the most brutal way possible see his offspring or have his days prolonged to say nothing of having the will of God prosper in his hand. How is that even possible? Well, it's only one way. It's fairly simple. Jesus didn't stay dead. He's alive. Amen. I'm just shouting so you wake up a little bit. I've been up since 3 o'clock. You guys have no excuse. <laughs> if I can make it, you can make it. So, those who have been born again through faith in him are his spiritual offspring. Jesus will see his offspring because, like John said earlier, it's us. Those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ are his offspring. He was raised from the dead never to taste death again. The will of the Lord prospers because of his death and resurrection. God the Father delivered his son over to death albeit temporarily, that we, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, might be delivered from death eternally. Do you get any better news than that? They say there's only two things that don't change in the world, death and taxes. Taxes, I can testify. Uh, but it's not right about death because it's been defeated. 
is still our enemy, but it's a defeated enemy. It was defeated by Jesus on the cross. And he was raised to life again, never to taste death again. Verse 11 says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. I can't say that I ever have before. Sometimes we think that Jesus died on a cross out of obligation. Right? Like, there's nothing in it for him. It's just, it knows, he knows it needs to be done. Right? Jesus had to die in order for us to be saved. That's the simple truth. But what's in it for the Lord Jesus? Not a good time. Crucifixion, not fun. Bury the sin of mankind. Not a, not a good deal for him. So what's in it for him? You ever think about that? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, said that Jesus endured the cross, despising his shame for the joy set before him. And in Isaiah, out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. Well, satisfied by what? What's the joy set before him? By his knowledge, or by the knowledge of him, another way of saying by faith in him, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. That's the joy set before the Lord Jesus Christ. That through his sacrifice, those who have faith in him would be accounted as, as righteous. Do you, do you get that's a really good deal for us? But I often say that and say that the Lord got a raw deal. He got crucified took on the sin of mankind and got us in exchange. Well, <laughs> I've met some of you. <laughs> and you know me. Just before Jesus died, he said the word tetelestai, which means it's translated, it is finished. It means the debt is paid. The debt mankind owed to God for our sin has been paid by the Lord Jesus. And on the Easter of all days, we recognize the divine tension be that exists between God's love and God's holiness. God described himself in the word as love. He also described himself as holy which means he can't stand the presence of sin, of unholiness. Warren Wiersbe said, God is angry at sin because it offends his holiness and violates his holy law. In his holiness, he must judge sinners, but in his love, he desires to forgive them. God cannot ignore sin or compromise with it. For that would be contrary to his own nature and law. So there's this incredible tension. 
And that tension requires a solution. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the solution to the problem. The judge took the place of the criminal and met the demands of God's justice and holiness so that we would be forgiven. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And finally, in verse 12 of Isaiah 53, God says, Since the work of Christ was completed on the cross, he says, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus Christ, right now, is presently being rewarded for his work on the cross. He is still receiving the joy that was set before him. That everyone who would hear this message and embrace the benefit of Christ's death and fully rely on him would be saved and adopted into his family. And he is now at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us who put our trust in him. That's the joy that is continuously being set before the Lord Jesus Christ. They said the angels rejoice every time one sinner repents. They turn from his sin and turn to the Lord Jesus in faith. When we put our trust in him... We don't just receive salvation from hell like a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's just a, just a side benefit. That's like getting dental insurance at work. It's just a... It's nice. It's good. But what... We, we get so much more than just not worry about hell anymore. Whew. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are accounted as righteous. That means to be right before God. That means there's nothing holding us back from a restored relationship with our Father. That's a lot better than we're about to hell. There is no longer any sin between us. There is nothing separating us from Him. The main benefit of faith in Jesus Christ is an eternally restored relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's what we pray everyone would embrace. That's why we keep gathered here. That's why we keep preaching. That's why we share the love of God with our neighbor so that they will know, that you will know that you can be adopted by your Father in heaven again through faith in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be alienated from him anymore. Praise his wonderful name. <clears throat> but you have to know that for certain, for yourself, before you leave today because although through faith in Jesus Christ we are spared the threat of hell it's only through faith in him that we're released from that so you have to know do you know him do you fully rely on him do you trust him 
You have to know that before you go today, I pray. Let's pray. Lord, it's wonderful to be together here this morning and get the warm fuzzies of seeing everybody and, and being happy and dressing new clothes and, and all that stuff. But, Lord, that's all a waste if we leave here without a relationship with you. I pray, Father, that uh, those that don't know you as Savior would put their trust in you to recognize that your death on the cross was for them for all of us and that by faith in you they will be forgiven I, Lord I just pray that they would simply ask you to forgive them and, and, and be their Lord and adopt you adopt them into your family and for those of us that know you and have worked with you for a long time may we never forget may it never grow old May this story never get dull, that we would constantly be reminded of what you've done for us and live lives of gratitude and dedication to you. And may we take this message to our friends and family and coworkers and neighbors and everybody, that Jesus loves them and died for them so that we can be one big family again, the way it's supposed to be. We thank you, Lord, for doing the work that was necessary to make that possible. And we're so grateful that death could not hold you down and that you are presently at the right hand of God interceding for us. We'll praise your wonderful name. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.